Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of The New Standard. And as always, I have my partner in crime on my left, Neil Kulong. What's up, Neil? Um, not a whole lot, Lance, for a, a gorgeous Saturday like this. We are uh, just entering the fun season of the NFL, in my opinion. So uh, I'm locked and loaded, ready to go. Let's get it on. Before we jump into the program, I do want to say uh, I want to send out my prayers to uh, the Ukraine. Hopefully uh, the situation um, in the Ukraine resolves itself very soon. And hopefully there's not a lot of loss of life um, on both sides. So let's hope that conflict ends soon. I am not a friend of any Ukrainians or any Russians, so um, I don't have a personal connection in terms of that. But uh, I do hope that the conflict ends soon. Um, and also, before we jump into the show, want to say that there's a variety of ways to interact with the show. One of those is via YouTube. You can go to YouTube, do a search for The New Standard and Lance Williams or Neil Kulong. You can also go to your podcast feeder and do a search for The New Standard and Steelers or one of our names and the information should pop up. And if it does, please hit us with a like and a subscribe and continue to support the program. I want to thank everybody who hopped on to last week's show, uh, the Brian Flores show. That was our most popular show. Uh, we're, we're headed towards about 5,000 views. Uh, so it's fun to do that show. And it looks like it, it, it was received pretty well. And I'm glad you guys liked the show. This particular episode, we're going to delve into the comments of Kevin Colbert that he made earlier this week on Monday, hence the title Deciphering Kevin Colbert. But before we jump into that, and welcome to everybody on the live chat, Ali Howard, Double H, and the rest of the guys on the live chat. But before we jump into that, I, I want to get your thoughts on Ed Bouchette circling back on the whole issue of Mike Tomlin calling plays. And the title of the article on The Athletic is, why Mike Thomas should stop calling plays. Plus the latest on the Steelers GM search and Bouchette's walkthrough. Let me read from the article and I'll give my opinion. Then I want to get yours. He wrote Austin has 31 years as a coach in college and the pros, including 18 in NFL five as a defensive coordinator. Flores has coached 14 NFL seasons plus four as a scout three as head coach with 11 with the New England Patriots and one of their de facto coordinator in 2018. Austin is coaching three Super Bowls and has one ring. Coincidentally, both losses came against the Steelers. Flores coached in five Super Bowls with the Patriots, three of which they won, and has another ring as a scout. Isn't that enough experience for one or both of them to call plays on defense in 2022? And then he goes on to say, doesn't Tomlin have enough to do as the head coach of a team that hasn't won a playoff game the past five seasons and enters 2022 without a starting quarterback? Then he says, lastly, it's our opinion that none should call their own plays, offenses and defenses alike. Coaching staff has have exploded, and that's just something that they should not do because they have more to do on the sidelines. I think that in a way, and I don't know how much access that he has to what's actually going on in game day. And I'm sure Ed is, is dialed in and, and knows a ton. This is what we call dry snitching. If you're listening to the show, you know what dry snitching is. Dry snitching is when you snitch, but you don't actually name names. You just allude to what you're saying. I think he's alluding that Tomlin is not a good enough multitasker on Sundays to handle game, to handle play calling, as well as to manage the coordinated chaos, as I think you so well said last week, the coordinated chaos that goes on on Sundays, and that manifests itself in bad time management, bad use of timeouts, and some very curious and puzzling in-game decisions that may signal that you have a distracted coach 
because he's trying to game plan or, or excuse me, call plays. What's your thought on Ed Bouchette's comments? Because he said this like two or three times in this offseason. So I'm going to call this like dry snitching cubed. What I would call it is an excellent example of correlation not implying causation. Nothing in that. Flores, for example, he listed off one of his attributes as having won a ring as a scout on the team. That that experience, what empowers him to call plays? Why? In, in what way does that make him qualified to call plays? Being the head coach of a team for 15 years at the point that Tomlin allegedly took over kind of does. I, it, you know, it, it, to me, this is pretty black and white and no pun intended. I think the idea is it, Mike Tomlin is the one overseeing all of it. Mike Tomlin is going to put his stamp on the defense because he's the head coach. If he's the one calling the plays along with that, I fail to see what the problem is. To suggest somebody else is more qualified because Mike Tomlin doesn't know when to call timeout, what's more important? 75 defensive play calls or one timeout? If you're doing things correctly, the timeout situation takes care of itself. And I understand that is not done mathematically the way, particularly you know, intellectual, mathematical Steeler Nation would like. But at the end, that's it, it's it's really a remote scenario. It doesn't happen nearly as often as people think that it does. Could it be handled better? In my opinion, yeah. There are some instances in which I would have done something differently. It seems like the math reflects something differently. Maybe there's more to that. But what you're saying is he shouldn't be calling plays because he's losing track of when to call a timeout on a, a fairly complicated scenario that involves you guessing and projecting what's going to happen a minute and a half of game time in advance. I, I think that's ridiculous. It, it doesn't make any sense. There are people that can help with that. Perhaps that's something they should emphasize, but to suggest he shouldn't do this because he needs to be prepared to call timeout is just ridiculous for, for the salary that he's making for the overall lack of value in one thing compared to the other. It's not reasonably being looked at at all, in my opinion. And frankly, I, as, as much a fan as I am of Ed Bichette, both professionally and personally, that's a lazy take. It, it's just way too easy. It's way too simplified. And nothing that you just read, uh, in my opinion, it correlates to that decision being made. He has a lot to do. Therefore, why is he calling plays? Maybe that's a part of what they want him to do. Maybe he is the best person, in their opinion, to do it. Do you ever think about that? I mean, why why all of a sudden is Brian Flores more qualified to do this than Mike Tomlin is? Because Brian Flores is not a head coach. He just isn't. We've gotten into myriad reasons why he might not be a head coach and why that might not be the most fair thing in the world. But the reality is he's not. The reality is Tomlin has been a head coach four times as long as Flores was. He has 15 more years of experience than Flores does. I, I don't see what the issue is. If he's calling the plays, he's calling the plays. Do you have a problem with with what the Steelers overall have done defensively over the last six seasons when Tomlin allegedly was in charge of it? Maybe they haven't been the greatest defense, but is that the sole requirement? Come on. It, it, it's, it's nonsense. I've, I've said a bunch of times in this segment, Lance, being the head coach of a team means the buck stops with you. If you are more comfortable in the coordinated coordinated effort of putting everything together and then you being the one responsible for it because you are the one calling the plays, I don't logically see a problem with that. I also don't see that this guy coming in and calling plays fixes whatever it is that happened this past year. I think the presence of Daniel Archibong was probably more of a problem than what plays they were calling on defense. <laughs> plays don't make that guy better. Plays no, don't, don't make him belong in the NFL. He shouldn't have been playing. We all know that. I'm sure Daniel Archibong knows that. With all due respect to him, I'm glad he got paid. I'm happy for that. But the reality is they need to address those positions because you can't win with guys like that on the field. It, it's just that simple. The fact that they still had, in, in most games, a competitive defense that gave them the opportunity to win, minus a few things, with all the injuries that they had, with the complete lack of depth that they had, I, I think, if anything, it suggests, why don't you keep doing what you're doing and let's fix the personnel problem. Yeah, when I walked after I read the article and and I, I thought to myself when I look back at the Steelers, particularly over the last two years, just keeping it in a smaller in a smaller sample size, 
I didn't walk away thinking that the defense was the issue, but not particularly, uh, you know, in 2020 when the Steelers started 11 and 0. So I didn't really think, you know, I thought that was a great defensive year. Got a ton of turnovers, ton of sacks. Defense was really good, top five and a ton mm-hmm. of metrics. I mean, when you look at the metrics, I think yeah, the defense then they lost performed. three starters. <laughs> then they lost again. three starters once again. And so I, I just feel like, you know, Ed is dry snitching. Like Ed has an ax to grind when it comes to Tomlin and calling plays. He clearly just sees it a certain way. And because he sees it that way, he's going to continue to grind that axe. Let me jump into. I just think this. he's asking the easy question. I mean, <laughs> it's it causation does it, correlation does not imply causation. It's that simple. I like you that. can't. I like well, that. everything will change the second that he's not calling. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Great Why? Point there. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Like automatically, like Bing, he's going to win every challenge. Every timeout's going to be well. Yeah, time will be fixed like, because they've never thought be about this. It's never been they, an issue. Yeah, like they never. No came other up team with... has this problem. It never comes up anywhere in the NFL, and no other head coach calls plays on either side of the ball. Let me jump right. into the comment from Ali Howard Species, and he said, "I'd love to see an article titled Most Don't Have the Intellectual Capacity to Say Get Tomlin.' That's great." Let's jump into the Jerry Dulock article that came out on February 21st entitled Steelers GM Kevin Colbert looks ahead to excess salary cap space in the offseason. And I love these articles because these guys say a ton without saying a ton. And that's why the title of the show is called Deciphering Kevin Colbert. Let me jump into the first comment that I found interesting. It was, quote, we have to always be open to new ways to do things and more current ways to do things. Colbert said, I encourage the younger scouts to push me in that regard to find better solutions. And better solutions might be outside the organization from a professional side. We have to try to stay ahead of the game. When I read that comment. The thing that jumped out to me was, first of all, to a certain extent, it might explain why the net of their search is so big. Two, it might explain that at this particular time, this is a good time to possibly bring in fresh new ideas because of the three-headed monster that was in, or the Trinity that was in Pittsburgh for so many years of Tom and Colbert. And Tom, Tom and Colbert and Roethlisberger is finally breaking up. That that might be a time to inject fresh new ideas. The other thing I pulled away from that comment is maybe he's stodgy. Maybe he's not open to doing things, quote unquote, this new way. As he was describing to stay ahead of the game. When you hear those when you hear those comments from Colbert, what do you think it means? Um, I don't want to say not much, but Colbert didn't have any reason to be any more specific or any more um, completely truthful than he has in the past. And with that, I don't think it, it's not that he doesn't have say in this. You absolutely, if you're Art Rooney, you absolutely should be uh, weighing and valuing Kevin Colbert's opinion on the direction as well as uh, what he feels this current uh, iteration of the team in the, the point of the offseason that it's in, uh, what they need to do to, to improve, to get better. That said, I, I just, I don't really think the Steelers need to hire this position immediately. As far as I know, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think any other team is searching for a general manager now or in the future, not overtly anyway. We, we aren't aware of anything else. They're competing right now against a market of one, okay? Who else? Name me one sub-general manager who would not want to be interviewed right now for the Steelers' general manager position. Nobody. None. None. So you have as much time as, as you think it would take, considering they don't – certainly they can weigh in on the draft, but let's be honest. Any qualified candidate has an opinion on the draft already. Anybody that they would interview has researched the Steelers – seen what they've done and presented a plan to them. Anyone else who would be considered would be thinking about that. In other words, if you're highly ambitious right now, Lance, and you wanted the Steelers general manager job, you would be studying 
the Steelers and you'd have a sense of what they should do, what they would want to do uh, in an effort to earn the job. So when you did, you would have done the legwork already. Why do they need to be in immediately? What, what's the rush? There, there's not really a benefit to the Steelers to rush through it. I honestly just think they want to cast as wide a net as possible and they don't want to have to rush the decision. Or if anything, we've talked about this too, they already know who they're hiring. They just want to you know, bring in as many people as possible because it, they haven't hired, they've never, literally never hired a general manager titled person in the history of the franchise. It is always Art Rooney, then Dan Rooney, then Colbert, who was the pro personnel director that they hired a bunch. He ascended into the general manager position at a point where the league basically was trying to get everybody unified as much as possible to figure out how um, lateral moves versus promotions in and, in and among themselves would work. That's the reason the Steelers named a general manager. They kind of had to. Otherwise, it, it, prob- it would probably still be Art Rooney. Point is, they don't need to, to dive headfirst into this decision. So because of that, I, I don't think they are feeling any kind of pressure to do it. I think they're, the, the pro days are coming up anyway. That's, as Mike Tomlin says, his favorite time of the year. He loves traveling from place to place, cutting it up with the prospects, watching people. Tomlin, in the end, is going to have more influence over this draft than whoever they hire as the, ne- the next general manager. So I, I don't think they have a need uh, for that person to be intimately involved with everything right now. And because of that, they can take their time. And the answer then is the time to hire them is whenever they damn well please. And that might not be today or tomorrow. We don't know that for sure, but probably. Let me jump into the next quote that he said. He said, quote, I may or may not have a role moving forward and that he's not going to use the word retirement. Uh, Dulac went on to write, he is expected to remain in a reduced role when his contract expires after the draft and the new general manager is in place. What do you think that role will be? Um, Will it be the type of role where he helps the new GM, depending on who it is, let's say it's not Brandon Hunt, and help that particular person transition? Will it be like sort of a professor, an emeritus role, where he's he's always available to get input? He's not necessarily on speed dial, but he's sort of on speed dial. What do you think his role will be uh, moving forward? And will it be an official title or will it kind of just be a de facto title? Sort of like friend of the program, sort of on the staff, but not really on the staff. I One, I would say right off the bat, there isn't precedent for this. Again, for, for the Steelers, um, I don't know. I know uh, Dan Rooney was named probably more or less by himself or the guy that, that was replacing him. Uh, chairman emeritus of the Steelers um, when he left to be the ambassador to Ireland for the United States. Um, I don't think Colbert would get that, but at the same time, they're going to give him a contract and bring him in as a consultant, whatever it is that they call him. I don't know. There's a thousand different variations of of titles that you could give him. Senior consultant, senior personnel consultant, something like that. Um, That seems to be the most logical thing that they would do. Uh, what that would entail, I don't know. It really would be up to the Steelers, but um, certainly another eye on things, certainly an ear for assistance in a transition. Um, Colbert's been in that job for a long time. You got to keep that in mind. You know, I I was, I was young in college when he got hired. Um, It's probably not something they could just turn over to, but what I would think uh, because of his availability what they're willing to do is hire somebody pretty young um, and the, the pessimistic among us yes. would say cheap uh, to come in and be mentored by Colbert, Tomlin, Rooney, everybody. That's a very Steelers like thing to do. The same thing happened with Mike Tomlin. Uh, they chose his coaching staff for him. He didn't have the, the ability to really dive into that. Wouldn't surprise me if that's kind of the plan uh, with Colbert. You know, he's not going to be in charge day to day, but at the same time, they're not going to run anything um, well, it may be some things, but by and large, uh, personnel decisions, maybe it's a room of four now instead of three. It's Colbert, Tomlin, Rooney, and the new person instead of just Colbert, Tomlin, Rooney. I could see that happening. In fact, I, I think that that could make some sense as well. They want to invest long-term um, into somebody that 
they can mold into the Steeler way. Frankly, that's a very Steelers-like thing to do. They, they do that with a lot of things. So it, it, to me, that I would also suggest an internal candidate, somebody that they've been uh, kind of already along in this process. And it makes sense. I'm sure if it is Brandon Hunt, Omar Khan, they, they wouldn't mind uh, if they got the job, um, if Colbert was still there. You know, I, I don't think that would be too much of an issue. And the, the recent precedent across the league that we could look at would be simply that, you know, easily – uh, the Baltimore Ravens, when Ozzie Newsom retired, um, they announced that he was retiring. They announced that Eric DaCosta was going to take over for him. And two of them served in that capacity up through, uh, what was it, the 2018 draft? Um, yeah, 18. Uh, to me, that makes the most sense. DaCosta is in charge now. I, I Last I saw, I think Newsom uh, is, is involved, at least from let's get Ozzy to weigh in on this. And a guy like Ozzie Newsome, who put together an excellent track record over his, his general management career, is somebody that anybody should listen to. So it makes perfect sense if, if the team is willing to spend the money, uh, whatever that would cost, uh, keeping another eye around, um, one loaded with experience. I, to me, I just think that makes the most sense. Yeah, I think it does, too. I mean, why not use, you know, I think it I think of it, you know, as you were describing it, I, I think about it in a term of presidents, um, U.S. presidents, where, you know, a lot of times, you know, they will will look to former presidents in terms of how to do this job and how to transition into this job, what it means. There's a lot of writing about former presidents reaching out in that community that they have in terms of how to do this job and how to manage the job because there isn't many people. And not that being a GM of a franchise is on a level, obviously, of being a president, but there aren't many former GMs out there. You know, it's a small fraternity of guys that have run organizations and even a smaller fraternity of guys who know how the Steelers want to run their organization. So it's a resource um, that makes sense that the, that the Steelers would tap into. And I love the parallel that you made to Tomlin, how they're going to gradually remove the training wheels possibly off the position to me when you said that i think what it says to me is that they're going to it's going to be an internal candidate but let's jump into another comment that he said he said if i'm not going to be here and i'm going to be helping make the decisions for the 2022 roster could that be not detrimental but counterproductive that was the question colbert said i guess it could be but i think that art and mike both trust that we're going to do what's best. The three of us will come together and make the best decisions for 2022, whether I'm here or not. Here's the thing, being a person that's been in corporate America that I found very interesting. This is why it tells me that although football teams are a part of a big corporate, or, or corporate in a sense, and part of a big conglomerate, in corporate America, the only time you would have this decision or, or, or this kind of having a guy who's on his way out impacting what's going to occur currently is when you have like CEO transitions in my company that happened uh, that the, the, the CEO yeah. who's leaving mentored the next CEO probably for about two years and was very instrumental in what was going to occur the year that they left. This is very interesting to me that because typically when you're a short timer, you don't have any say in what you don't have any say in the future or or what the roster will be. In, in this case, what free agent decisions, because when he says roster, to me, that implies beyond the draft and also free agency. It's very interesting to me that he is still going to have a significant blueprint on what the roster will be like but not be around. Is that odd to you or do you think it's much to do about nothing? Um, I don't, I, you, let me go back. You, your analogy is a good one. I, I think transitioning the CEO to somebody else, uh, barring if it's a peaceful transition, if it's an unexpected transition in this uh, peaceful sense, like the, the CEO uh, just unexpectedly retired or resigned or whatever, this is the route that you would take. 
you would probably if if it if it was there if it was available you'd probably want to do that um i hesitate to say this for for the sense that it might not be all that applicable but my dad retired he was a senior vice president of a medical supplies company um after about six months, they brought him back on contract to help with the new people because it wasn't going very well, apparently. So he came in and kind of retrained them and, and you know figured things out. I think from a corporate sense, there's a lot of value to native knowledge. And I think that's really what Colbert's highest value would be in retirement. He would know the ins and outs of his position better than anybody else. And do you want to go into that blind? I, I don't think you do. So to me, it, it's that makes it much ado about nothing in my mind. Um, I don't think it's a big deal it, it, when the rubber meets the road. I don't think it's a big deal. And to be honest, Lance, between you and me, we don't know a whole lot about the specifics of what Kevin Colbert is doing. We know what general managers typically do in the NFL. We know what he has told us sometimes perhaps through clenched teeth. We don't always know specifically uh, how the hamburger is made and they, they keep that intentional. So whatever it is that they would want Colbert to be doing, it, it seems likely to us that we need to at least evaluate the fact that we don't know uh, what exactly that would entail. Um, I think it, knowing that, which is that we don't know anything, <laughs> it would make the most sense to say uh, if it's an open secret, not even a secret, if it's openly known that they want to retain him in some way, it sounds more like they would rather he didn't retire, but they understand that he is, and they're hoping that he can help them out for a year, maybe two on a light level, and keep him a around out of respect and out of uh, you know honor for the role that he's played with this franchise for over 20 years. Speaking to that again, and I'm going to say again, this is why I think it's an internal guy, because I, I from yeah. an ego from an ego perspective. If it is like we are describing, I can't see a guy from the outside wanting to do that. However, it is the Steelers' GM position, but guys have tremendous egos. And once you get your first opportunity to run an organization, you want to run an organization. Also, stepping into an organization with a head coach that's been here 15 years and probably taking a back seat to the head coach in terms of the power hierarchy, also yep. suggests to me that this is going to be an internal candidate. But let's go to a, another thought. We talked about this uh, last week in terms of the interviews that the Steelers have been doing with the GMs, and, and, and this gives an answer as to why that is occurring. And in the article, Dulac writes, Rooney, excuse me, not Rooney, Colbert said the that the Steelers have been interviewing a flurry of GM possibilities because they are allowed to talk to potential candidates without permission from another team prior to March 1st. That's something that I did not know. Uh, and so Colbert is involved with those interviews. Tomlin, interestingly, has not uh, will not sit into the interviews until the Steelers conduct a second round after the draft. I didn't know that uh, they didn't re that teams didn't require have to get permission to interview GM candidates prior to March 1st. But with that being said, it really makes sense that with no, um, because they don't have to follow that rule order, they're not restricted in any way, that it does make sense that they're going out and trying to find as many people as possible or to to interview as many people as possible. Here's Here's a nugget, and I want you to really jump into this. And this might allude to, Brandon Hunt being the next guy. That Rooney said that Colbert's replacement first and first and foremost has to be a talent evaluator who can put together a draft. To that end, they plan to interview, of course, they said, um, Philadelphia Eagles' Andy Weedle. But I think the important thing there was, and we don't have all the names up, and I don't know the backgrounds of all the GM candidates, but I thought that was a nice little nugget in terms of what is the most important criteria that they're looking for for a GM. With that being said, do you think that makes Brandon Hunt the odds-on favorite? I think, uh, yeah, simply put, uh, it, it's. It, I don't think 
he would be the odds on favorite I, because he'd be the least surprising of all of them. And they're going out of their way to kind of tip their hand a little bit. What they're looking for is a scout. Uh, that's not Omar Khan. If that is their desire, they want somebody with the ability to evaluate personnel, which it, it certainly fits in line with what you would think a general manager could do. Hunt would be an excellent choice. Nobody else could match uh, his internal experience in that regard of the people that we know that they would be looking at. Um, there are external candidates that could do it, but they are permanently external. They, they can't compete with Hunt in terms of internal knowledge. Um, it, to me, what that really suggests is Hunt checks that box probably more strongly than anybody else that they would come into simply because they have to be impressed with Hunt. They have, If they're considering him for the general manager job, you have to think that they're happy with him. If that is the one characteristic that they would be uh, looking at and evaluating, how do you top that? I don't think that you do. I think it basically says exactly what you asked. They, they are looking at Hunt. It is his job uh, to, to win or lose. And, you know, maybe that's kind of a shot across the bow at him to make sure that you've got, you know, everything wrapped up tightly the way that it should be. But I didn't think it was ever much of a question. Um, it would be his job, all things being equal. He would have to do something to make it not his job. Uh, he would have to take another job somewhere else. He would have to just say he isn't interested. I I don't know, whatever. But it seems to me like writing is on the wall, that that's the guy that they're going to hire. I don't think anybody would be surprised if that's what happens. Yeah, it, see, it, it seems like it, it, it's headed in that direction. Let me read the rest of the quote that he said. Uh, Colbert said, I think Art will more or less tell me what he thinks would be a good fit. And then I try to fit him with that criterion or fit people that I recommend. It's always been a football type of role from an evaluation standpoint. I think that's what he's comfortable with. And I know that's what Coach Tomlin is comfortable with. What I took from that is that even if Hunt gets the job, because he's specifically saying it's been a football type of role, that there still could be room for Omar Khan to remain in his role and do some of the other duties that are less football. And that that combination of the two still would fill out the job really well, where Khan would continue to stay in his role and do those things. Um, let's jump into another thing that Colbert said. Colbert said he can't remember the last time that the Steelers had this much cap space heading into the off season. He hesitated saying the team will be more aggressive in free agency because that has not been the Steelers' history, but seemed to leave the door open that the Steelers could be amenable to spending more money on outside free agents. And this, and this, and this whole thing about him leaving but having still impact, is there any way with his departure that you think this philosophy changes at all? Or is this a philosophy of not of being very conservative on, on, on street free agents? Is that more of a Rooney thing, or is that something that you could see change with Colbert's departure? Um, one, Colbert has said this many times, if he did not say it in uh, his most recent address. But when the Steelers have a need, they go out and address it with what they feel fills that need. Um, right. Top to bottom, they are a team clearly that is more committed to developing through the draft. But we know when there are uh, street free agents at positions of need that are in the dollar range that they would want, they will go sign them. It doesn't mean that they do it all the time, but it, you know, most recently Melvin Ingram could be had on a, a, an affordable contract. Maybe they should have paid him more. Maybe they should have played him more. I don't know, but they went out and signed him. And that was in a year in which they really didn't have a whole lot of room for error with that. Um, you go back to the three biggest free agents that they've signed, dated back to 2015, Mike or 2014, Mike Mitchell. They needed a starting free safety. Uh, with Polamalu retiring, they had money to invest in that position, and they went out and signed him. That was a surprise. I don't think people really expected that to come. Steven Nelson getting signed, I think, on on the first or second night of free agency uh, back in, what was that, 2019, 2018? Yes. Um, 19. Uh, we didn't see that coming, but that was absolutely a position of need that they needed to sign. 
Joe Hayden got cut by the Browns. He was signed by the Steelers like nine hours later. They put him on a plane the second that it happened. They will go get guys when they have the ability to go get them. And along with that, part two of this, Colbert even says he can't remember. You know why he can't remember? Because it hasn't happened. They've never had even close to this much room without making any moves, without doing anything um, administrative to address their salary cap position. They've never had this much space. And along with that, they usually spend up to plus or minus five, six, seven, eight million dollars from the cap. That's all situational. Some years it might be five, some years it might be eight. It depends. But the fact that they are looking at 30 plus right now before moves that are going to be made, that's going to free up more cap space. They have a lot of money that if you look back on the chain of events of this team over the last two, three seasons, they were planning this. It is clear and obvious. This is a part of sexy tanking, Lance. If we can bring that back, which theory that got largely destroyed by the fact that they won three of their last four that we didn't expect them to win. The point overall is they were going to have this salary cap position. They knew they were going to have this salary cap position. They're going to spend money. In my opinion, it's top of the market time. They're going to sign the biggest unrestricted free agent that they've ever signed this offseason. And I think it's going to happen pretty quickly into free agency. If I were to guess right now, Brandon Sheriff looks pretty good. He's the right guard that you need. Market value for him is going to be somewhere 65 million, probably overall on a four or five year deal. You're going to see that. Right. I think you're right. I think it makes the most sense. His year one cap isn't going to be all that big. And just like there was last season before the TJ Watt deal, you really don't have a whole lot of players signed for next year. There's not a whole lot there for him. So you have even more cap space next year. It gets to a point. The cap space is great. You need the bodies. You know, that that's the point you need to spend. And is, is it, it's funny to me because Pittsburghers in general, Yinzers in general, sometimes keep the wrong team's cap on when they're talking about one problem or another. One of the biggest things that you're going to hear about the Pirates is they don't spend money, right? They're cheap. They're terrible, blah, blah, blah. They think that that still applies to the Steelers, and that is absolutely not the case. The Steelers have pretty much always spent to the cap. This is the first year that they exited a season with $10, $11 million in cap space. I forget what the final reconciliation was, but they had way more cap space at the end of this season than they've ever had. Okay? Roll that over into the fact that they don't have a whole lot of of expensive roster guys signed right now. You have a um, no-brainer – I don't want to call it a decision, but they can very easily convert a lot of TJ Watts pretty significant. I think it's a roster bonus that he has. You may as well convert that into a signing bonus and create more space. Um, Stop there. Stop there. Stop there. And let me inject this comment that he said, because I think you're right on. I think you're right on track with what you're thinking. Um, Also, Come on, Steeler fans. You know the Steelers are going to do whatever they need to do to compete. If that means, but what it does mean, it doesn't mean spend irresponsibly. Yeah, it means don't, spend don't say responsibly. Blow cash. That's just you know. Dumb. So they're, they, they're, they need players. Okay. That, that's yeah. It's and, not about the money right now. They need players. Yeah, it's, it's going to spend some of that. Yeah, the Steelers are always mm-hmm. going to do what they think is best to be competitive. It's an organization that won six championships. Now whether. That results in winning a seventh. Obviously, it has not, or being more successful than whatever barometer the fans have set for success, whatever that is for a person personally, it is what it is. But the Steelers are a franchise that always spins to the cap typically, and they're going to be as competitive as possible. But your comment brings up something that also came up in the article when he said, I think we can comfortably say Colbert. We will have more salary cap room, and the number is 28.7 on over the cap um, this year than we've ever had. I can't remember when we've had excess room. We're anticipating having more room going into this process. Mm -hmm. So he anticipates, and I love how you talk about the T.J. Watt move. He anticipates they're going to have even more space, which suggests two things. You will have restructures, and 
it also anticipates somebody is going to get cut. Now, we'll do another deep dive in terms of cuts and restructures, but clearly, in terms of doing a restructure, when you have a guy with a, uh, let's see, what is his, uh, I'm just looking at TJ's deal here. His base salary is $24 million. Absolutely no way he's going to play and, on that base salary. <laughs> and so, and no so what they can do, and so what it's they gar- it's guaranteed do, anyway. It's guaranteed. Yes, and anyway. it's guaranteed, right? So what they so, can do is they can take that twenty four million and give him a signing bonus, and then split that signing bonus up over the remaining four years, and that get added to the prorated bonus that gets counted towards his cap number. So what will happen is the prorated bonus number will go up from seven million to whatever in terms of what they give him in terms of a uh, a bonus or as they take some of that salary. So, yes, I they know. are going to do that. Now, thinking about that, and I don't want to dive too deep into it. Stefan to it. Give me flip a coin. Is he here next year? And if it's not Stefan to it somehow as the person creating some room, because right now Stefan to its cap number is about $14 million. Who is the other player that they may use as a cut to create room? And one of the listeners in the live chat suggests uh little bro. Why? Um, I wouldn't even get to him first. Clearly he wouldn't be first. It, Simply, there's no way Zach Banner is playing out the final year of that contract. That's administrative, in my opinion. That's not even a decision that needs to be made. There's no way they're they're keeping a player who basically hasn't played for two seasons for him on for five million dollars. There's just no way yeah. you cut him. That that's as low hanging fruit as it gets. That's five million. I want to add in though. Show again, me. I'm not going in depth. Let me finish this. What? That deal alone is probably 18 million saved against the cap. So add banners five, that's 23. You can cut to it and save four, and he's he's on you for 9.6 anyway. But they call that 27 then saved on top of the 28 that they have right now. And Joe Schobert. Um, I have a tough time thinking that contract's not going to get rearranged in some way. If you want to keep him, it's not going to be at 8.75 million for this year. There is zero chance of that. Uh, however it is they want to do that, they have a couple different options that that they can explore. But I just saved you $34 million, Lance. That's more than the 28 that they have already. So you're looking at uh, functionally with cutting one guy and restructuring a bunch of others and nobody named Derek Watt involved in that. Yeah. Uh, you're looking at $55 million in cap space. In my opinion, it's irresponsible to have that much cap space. You are not putting the best into your team if you do that. Go out and bargain hunt. You know, you can sign a marquee guy, but you can also sign a bunch of other guys. So I, to me, this is the Steelers are going to spend more money in the first two days of free agency than they ever have. And I, I think that's fairly obvious. Um, I also did not bring up Derek Watt. I didn't bring up any possibility of an extension for Minka Fitzpatrick. I'm not sure how much lower they could get that. Um his cap number, 10.6, probably a little bit, not a whole lot, but they can reduce that. Beyond that, though, they don't have anybody who's making much. There just isn't. Next up, honestly, would be Cam Sutton. You want to get rid of Cam Sutton? I don't see a point in that. You signed him for this. Uh, you're not getting rid of Chris Boswell. He's next. Rudolph, you signed him for that. Tyson Alualu, I think that's interesting. I had a conversation on Twitter yesterday about Alualu with Jim Wexel, who feels they are going to keep him. I see a 35-year-old guy who just had a, a major knee injury. I don't know where he is physically. You hope he's ready. You hope that they keep him. But frankly, it's deck chairs on the Titanic at this point. It doesn't matter if you keep him or not. You have $55 million in cap space, and you have a team that doesn't have a whole lot of talent. There are extensions in there that you can give. They will be more active transactionally than they have ever been. But that's let's, I'll leave it let's at that. Just say, let's just say this, Neil. The Steelers cap situation is like if you and your wife went outside right now and you had uh say you had like $2,000 in your pocket and you guys go out and you're like, man, she's like, ah, you know, I really want that ring and I want so and so and so forth. And you're like, hey, baby, just wait. 
the taxes are coming in, and I got another, and I got another five thousand coming in after we do the income tax. Some more coming. There's more coming, so we can go to Jamaica. We can get the meat coats, and we can do all that. Bigger, yeah. No, that that's exactly what Colbert is alluding to when he says we're comfortable with the cap right now. I think we're pretty comfortable with some more coming in. Those are all administrative moves. They never intended to have TJ Watt on a base salary of $24 million. It's guaranteed, meaning he gets it anyway. Either you take a 24 or what is his cap? $31 million cap hit this year, or you spread it out over the remaining four years of his entire deal and drop the cap this year quite a bit. What are you going to do? Cut TJ Watt? Pretty sure he's going to be on the team this year. Pretty sure he's got a good shot of it. His money's guaranteed anyway. That's the simplest move they'll make. And it's the same one they made at less than half the value with Cam Hayward last year. They might restructure Cam too. They have the ability to free up like $65 million against the cap. The problem is, though, they don't have very many players. They need to bring in some dudes that are making something. And they're currently not doing that. They're pretty, you know, people this time of the year always talk about the draft. We have to address this position in the draft. We have to do this in the draft. You're bringing in rookies in the draft, and only one of them is a player that's taken in the top 20. You're not going to get five starters in a draft very often. It's certainly not going to look like that when you draft them. You have to wait until August and September to figure that out. The point is you can find three starters in this draft or in this free agency period, and that's what they're going to do. Big money for yeah. one of them. Wouldn't be surprised if two of them are kind of big money guys. Look for that. That will happen this year. And think about this position because the last big comment and, uh, and most of the attention, because when you talk about free agency, of course, the conversation centers around quarterback. And in my, yeah, I said it segment, there's one particular quarterback I do want to discuss. The biggest attention that Colbert's comments got were the comments that he made about Mason Rudolph. And he said, we have confidence that Mason Rudolph, if we started today would be our starter. And we're excited to see where that can go. We're excited to see what's next for Mason. He also in the article, do like rights. Colbert said the Steelers were explore every possible Avenue. I love that quote about adding a quarterback to the roster he said there is good quality available in this year's draft, including Pitts, Kenny Pickett, just not as many possibilities as recent years. Quote, we know we're going to add to the position, but I can't tell you how. When he said that about Mason Rudolph, and I didn't find a quote about the 5-4-1 record, I'm sure Steeler Nation was just up in arms. I saw it on Twitter. They were just up in arms. And what I'll say to this is there's no other quarterback on the roster. Yeah, he's the only guy. (laughs) If they started today, he would be the starter. And I I think that's kind of tongue-in-cheek. I think that's why he says. I think it's it's poking fun at the situation that, look, I will never obtain as much football information and knowledge as Kevin Colbert has. I never will. Certainly not now. I I don't have it today. But objectively speaking, there is no way anybody can be excited about Mason Rudolph in a vacuum. What makes Mason Rudolph exciting is the fact that they have him for $3 million in salary this year, $4 million cap hit. He will be the cheapest veteran quarterback on the, the in week one, the starting lineup for any of the 32 teams in the league by a tremendous margin. You're excited for that. You like that. If he can go out and perform kind of well after you, you've added to the running back room, you're probably going to do something with your receiver group as well. You like what you're building at tight end. Maybe the offensive line can be figured out somehow or other. They have all those pieces. If they don't have Patrick Mahomes, what Colbert is saying is, okay, what can we get from him? Because in the end, he's dirt cheap. Nobody else has this deal. This is the deal that we scored last year with him when we paid him up front to not be a free agent next year. That's what he's excited about. He's not going to throw for 5,000 yards, okay? He's not going to throw 40 touchdown passes and and, and throw a completion percentage of like 68. It's not going to happen. And he's also not going to have a depth of target of about 
four and a half yards. Yeah, look look at it that way. Is he better <laughs> than what they had last year? They found nine and eight or nine, I'm nine, sorry, seven, nine seven and, and one. one out of <laughs> junk for the most part. Now they can add to all of that. So I, to me, what, what Colbert is talking about is pretty comfortable saying Mason Rudolph today would be our starter if we started because there's nobody else, literally nobody else. They haven't even, they haven't even tenured Haskins yet. They haven't gone through the draft. They haven't gone through free agency. Yeah, on its face, of course, Rudolph's a starter. But I told you that last year. We knew this was going to happen. Yes. The big thing is, though, they have the money to give him weapons. He didn't have weapons. In in his 10 starts, he did not have weapons around him. He really didn't. Okay? We can go all day on this, blame whoever we want. I have been one of the biggest critics of Mason Rudolph since he started playing. We saw who he was. I don't think he ever recovered from the hit that Earl Thomas put on him. To be honest, I think he looked pretty good before that. He wasn't after that. He was okay against the Browns in in the the last game of last season. I thought he was terrible against Detroit. We talked about that back in the day. Um, All those things together, he is going to be a a, a mediocre at best quarterback. I think we know that, but I also think the team has a plan for how they're going to address the most important position on the team. In the meantime, though, they're going to build up everything around him and they're going build to give the him the best possible chance to succeed. And success has a widely different interpretation from everybody else. Most of the people, and I guess you, you could put me into this party as well, define success as Patrick Mahomes. It's just not reasonable. He's not going to be Patrick Mahomes. But can you get a Jimmy Garoppolo like season out of him for 20% of the price of Jimmy Garoppolo? Steelers are going to find out. That's what they're doing. Yeah, and I, I, I don't have a problem with that at all. And I do vouch for the fact that you do dislike Mason Rudolph as a player about oh, as him. much as hate him. <laughs> you dislike Zach Taylor as a coach. And Zach Taylor just parlayed one good coaching uh, year into what a five-year extension, I think, his, out to his 2026. defense, which is the side of the ball he didn't know anything about. They took care of all of that for him. <laughs> he, hey, didn't have, he didn't have a hand in that. Hey man, quarterback you know, got way too much credit on that team. They they played know. phenomenal defensive football up until that last drive, and that was still a fifteen play drive. The Rams had to put together right. Incredible let me get into job. let me get into the last comments, and this these comments pertain to Devin Bush, and then I'll jump into my yeah, I said it. Cobra said he thinks that Devin Bush will play better in 22, 2022. <laughs> well, that's good. I yes, much, I would I hope how much that would take. Uh, but... I mean, the bar is pretty low. Because yeah. he was hindered last season recovering from ACL surgery and not having Stefan Tuit and Tyson Alulu in front of him. Well, that's like, well, I mean, that, that's a lot. That's then don't invest banking. 10 overall on a linebacker. If you yes, need the defensive I mean, line to do his job for him, don't invest 10 overall on a linebacker. Yeah, I think he's he's it's it's stupid. It, I hate that. That, that makes a, no it's sense. It's a soft pillow. It's a soft yeah. pillow for him. Um, he, he needs said to also free and clear. This, get an undrafted guy to do it. This is yes. the NFL. He's not going to have that kind of cushion. That's not – yeah, that's – exactly. That's and, and Colbert knows it, but I think Colbert yeah. is trying to, you know, just make He's it protecting cushion. his guy. He's and protecting his guy. I, um, he also said that the Steelers have not decided if they will pick up Bush's fifth-year option. That's the real point of the two is that they have not decided on the option. Now, forget the two it and the Lulu in front of them. The point is we have not decided to give you okay. some more money. It brings back to the question that I asked. Why'd you draft him 10 then? Yes. You knew you were coming to that. You knew you were going to have to pay him $10 million. Do you want an inside linebacker at that price range coming off a, a, a season where he was legitimately one of the worst in the league at his position? No, they Easily don't. the worst value, except for maybe Devin White. That's <laughs> another argument. But it, it's at this point, you may not know, but to me, that means no. There's no way they can just oh, that, no. that value hike. No, if they haven't done it already, that's hell no. That's not that's not yeah. necessarily well, no. That's, yeah, that's they're, they're not going to no. say it. They're not going to say it now. Like, yes. it, it's the deadline for that is after the draft for a reason. Yes, you know yes. he has no reason to say it right now. But it, it's it's really hard for me to see how they might justify um, keeping him at that salary. I'm not saying at all at that salary. Look at the guys who make that kind of money in this league. Is he Bobby Wagner? No, it's not even, it's laughable. He's nowhere near it. This is no different than Terrell Edmonds in the sense that that valuation, which is artificial, it's mandated. It doesn't matter how 
by and large. It doesn't really matter how well he played. That's the price that he costs. He can only go up from that, which is why Minka was 10 and a half and Edmonds was 6.5 or whatever it was. He didn't do enough to justify that that higher price range. Bush, because of where he was drafted, is higher. So that's even less realistic. He's let just not you, at that price. You're not worth half that. There's no way they're you, picking that up. Let me give you a what the top of the market is for uh, inside linebacker. That would be Darius Leonard, whose cap number would it be 11.1. And I'm not sure what the tender number would be. Let's see if he. Uh, I'm not sure. So the transition tag. Uh, for a linebacker would be about 14 million. He would be less than that. But there's no way in the world that Devin Bush will 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 get the fifth year extension at any cap number that's above $10 million. That's just not happening. But let me jump into the yeah, I said it. And lastly, Colbert really didn't have any comments about Brian Flores other than, you know, he's a great coach. That's why we hired him, which is what you would say, and that that's the truth. So that's the only answer I should say. Yeah, that's the only thing that he should say. Um, let me jump into my yeah, I said. And if you want to chime in on this one, Neil, please do. Yeah, I said it. There is no way on God's green that the Steelers are signing Carson Wentz. <laughs> let me just say that to Mark Caboli. Or got a trade for him right now. He hasn't been released. Keep that in mind. He hasn't been released. True. There's no way in the world they are trading. That's even more so. There's no way in the it world makes they will tougher. trade for him and or sign him in no particular way or fashion. You know what Carson Wentz is? An expensive Mason Rudolph. <laughs> That's what Carson Wentz is. Hurts my eyes and heart. You know, man. you know. Um, I I wish I could just quickly pull up the uh the, the game book for Carson Wentz's last performance, probably his last performance as a Colt player against the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was absolutely terrible, and that's why the Steelers got into the playoffs. He was terrible. The way this works. When you trade for a guy that was your guy, Reich's guy being, Wentz being Reich's guy, and they want to get rid of him, what it tells you is this guy can't play football. This guy is not good. Why he's not good, I don't know those details or intricacies. But if your guy can't get you right, why would anybody else want you? Carson Wentz in that game was 17 of 29 for 185 against the Jags on the road to win to get to the playoffs. Took six sacks, terrible interceptions, was horrible throughout most of the game. There is no way in the world you want Carson Wentz as your starting quarterback. No way in the world. And Steeler fans, please stop overreacting to every freaking rumor that you hear. Just be patient and wait. The Steelers, like we just detailed, will have close to $60 million in cap space. And trust that Colbert, Tomlin, and whoever this next guy is, the Rooney family, the organization, will make the right decisions with the money or with the cap space, but it ain't Carson Wentz. Rebuttal. <clears throat> I'm going to say this. I do not think the Steelers will acquire or sign Carson Wentz. That said, why do we only evaluate him on one game? Why can we only look at one game against the Jaguars, a place no, that, that Indianapolis has not won in example. five years? Okay, Jaguars have beaten them in Jacksonville five straight times leading into that game. Now it's six. Was it a playoff game for them? Yeah. Did he play well? No, absolutely not. By no objective measure would you say that he played well. Did he have a terrible season? No. He costs a good chunk, and to acquire him 
what Indianapolis is saying today, if if the rumors are true, and this isn't worth thinking about shopping Carson Wentz around, they're bashing his character almost. I mean, there, there's a problem there. So I'm taking that into account. But the more they enact that plan in, in an effort to drum up interest to acquire him, the less that value goes up. So they're really oh, saying, we want this guy out the door. If that's the case, is it really that big of a deal to acquire Carson Wentz for like a sixth round pick? If you have this much cap space, is it that big of a deal to take on a, a $20 million cap situation? Some of which will be guaranteed by the time you trade him anyway. Would you feel Wentz very cuttable next year? Not incredibly expensive this year. Not expensive to acquire if he's that toxic to the Colts right now without knowing what's going on there. I'm going to guess it has something to do with vaccinations, though, without worrying about that part of it. Is this that bad of a move, considering what you valued your backup quarterback as right now? Again, very cuttable next year. Affordable contract. So if it goes bust, okay, it didn't work out. Obviously, that's not ideal. What if it goes really well? You've got him dirt cheap for two more years at much below where the market for quarterbacks is going. All I am saying is it's not as crazy an idea as people think that it is, assuming that the, the, the mar- the, his value in a trade situation is going to go down with how strongly Indianapolis is indicating that they want him out. And maybe that's Wentz's own people. I don't know. but I get, I get that. That is a great rebuttal. Um, I only picked the Jags game because it was the most recent. I could have picked the Raiders game. But everybody picks the Jags game <laughs> I, and sums I, up his entire career base. That's garbage. You want to no, do that? No, no, Mason no. Rudolph tied with the damn Lions at home, okay? I'll, I'll pick the Raiders That's game. who the Steelers have right now. I'll pick the Raiders game versus the Colts. I could pick like five no. or six games. I, My I issue, didn't, I didn't say the uh, guy was Justin Herbert. Yes. My issue is the football is bad. The, the football is bad. Uh, the football is the really football is bad right now in Pittsburgh. It's yeah, not so, getting so, any better. No, so my point is, why waste the cap space on a bad play? Yeah. Uh, you know, it just it just okay. doesn't. You know, he, we call him bad or not. That's one thing. I do agree. Uh, overall, it probably isn't the best move to gamble on that. What I am saying is, if the Steelers were interested, and I think it's extremely unlikely that they would do this, if the Steelers are interested. The reason would be the upside of it is pretty appealing because he's che- he's very cuttable next year, which means they can get out of it quickly and continue on the exact same plans that they had and eventually basically say, we want to spend more money to not have Mason Rudolph as our starter. And we'll just eat that. And both of them will be gone next year if they suck. That's exactly the position that they're in right now anyway. If, yeah, like, and yeah. if he works out, though, if he's great, you've got a quarterback at $24 million in salary next year. That's dirt cheap for a good yeah. quarterback in the NFL. And that's what the Colts thought too. And yep. Fair and point. And now and Fair now uh, <laughs> and now they're killing they're him. They're like and, ripping and, the guy. <laughs> yeah, and it made more sense for the Colts because I, I you bet had you a thousand dollars it has to do with vaccinations. I don't know, you know why and, and, he's and, in favor in favor of the anti vax. I, I don't I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm having so, a hard time remembering that he's a bison and, and forgetting all else, but not a smart so career see, move you, for him. Yeah, you, you had to defend your guy just to taste. Yeah, I, I just think that there, for everything you said, that's why I would do Mason Rudolph for cheap and not Carson Wentz. It's the I, football. I can argue that point as well. I'm just saying yeah, it's, it, it's, like, it's not as crazy an idea as people think that it is because, and not to, to disparage what you just said, because in spirit, I agree with it. But to put everything on the Jacksonville game is stupid. And no, no, to no, suggest no. that he is on the same level as Mason Rudolph is just simply not true. He no, is, he's he better is than Mason vastly Rudolph. superior of a physical player no, no, than Mason yeah, Rudolph. For is. sure. He's, that he, doesn't he's mean made... that he's great. It doesn't mean the Steelers should do it. It's just, it's not as crazy an idea as people are making it out to be. That's here's all the I'm other play. I wouldn't do Here, it either. Here's the other play that made me think about Wentz when I was thinking about this whole, yeah, I said it was, was the throw he made against. I think it was the Chargers. There was a throw he made against the Chargers, rolling to his left, throwing against his body. He threw a dime to the back of the end zone for a touchdown over a guy, and it was a touchdown, a two-step touchdown, two-step on the back of the end zone. I looked at that throw and said, damn, there's probably like five dudes in the world that can make this throw. 
Then he comes out in the next possession and throws one of the worst interceptions you would ever see. You're like, damn, this is what this is what drives coaches nuts. Individual brilliance. And then you're like, damn, how can you go from A to Z in a series? It happens in football. We see it all the time. But man, it was the inconsistency in his play over the course of the years, over the course of this year. I know that Indianapolis was frustrating. I know but you think of it this way, too. If, if you're a coach that has some control over personnel, that sequence that you described, the brilliant pass followed by the terrible pass, here's the problem. You know you now have to pay this player for the brilliant pass, not yes. the terrible pass. And the, the leverage in your situation is all gone for the exact reasons that you said. There are just very few people on earth who can make that play. And yeah, you're play. going yeah. to want that. And the general manager is going to want that. The owner is going to want that. So yeah. if you have to win with that, you have to find a way to eliminate the inconsistencies. And frankly, if Wentz was going to do that, you'd hope that he would have by now. And I, it kills me to say that, but it, it's it's largely true. Yeah, and, and last comment before we get out of here, the Steeler freaks comment, Vax are going to be a non-issue by next season. They can't it's, it's, get the shit back in the horse. It, yes, it just it's doesn't not, work that yes, way. Exactly. You know what he did to divide yes, the locker room. Exactly. You're not going to forget that. Especially, exactly. Keep in mind, Indianapolis knows that. If they, again, you have to look at the reports and let's just say for, for fairness sake, because this is what's being reported. If you read what these anonymous sources, which are allegedly coming from inside Indianapolis, if you read what they're saying, they're not happy. Okay. Something went wrong with all of this. We might not know the specifics. All I am saying is Wentz was anti-vax. Wentz had an issue with all of that and it divided their locker room. You can the reports were all there. You knew that it happened. If Indianapolis has that big of a grudge, I admit he's he did not play particularly well, but they invested a one into him. They invested twenty five million dollars into him just for this year. They're bashing him and trying to get rid of him at the same time, which indicates they're willing to cut him and eat that in one year. They really he really pissed him off. They're pissed off. My guess would be the vaccinations. Maybe it's something else. He is an A-plus character guy. He really is. This situation, regardless if it's a part of this year or next year, you know he did something to divide the locker room. You're not going to rush out of your way to give up a lot of assets for a guy who didn't play especially well. If he was really good, okay. Exactly. He's not that good. And I'm glad you got to it because if he was kicking ass and taking yep. names. Total, totally different. Aaron Rodgers totally different. You know, is, is the obvious exactly. example. Green exactly. Bay can't find enough money to be willing right. to pay Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is the king of all of this. They don't yes. care. Nobody else would exactly. care either. And I'm Wentz, glad you know yeah. Aaron Rodgers. And I'm glad you made the point about how you can't put it back in a bottle because there are people in that locker room, I'm sure, mm-hmm. that have been at, impacted by the pandemic who feel a certain way. And I'm pretty and, sure Mike Tomlin felt a certain way as well. Yes. He's not bringing when, that on his team. Yeah, he knows no, what no, happened. No, no. Everybody yes. knows what happened. He can stand right. up for what he believes. That absolutely does not mean that people have to deal with it either. They don't want to bring you into that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. We'll see, see what happens. I think yeah, we'll see what happens. So yeah, that was that was that was my yeah. I said it. Uh, it was a good yeah, one. Because that was your best one yet. Yeah. See, see, there we go. It's a great it, topic. It yes, yeah, it elicited conversation. See, I, I try to put some thought into this, but let me get out of here. I know you're busy today, and thank you for hopping on. And again, if you haven't listened to our Brian Flores conversation, make sure you do. It is still up. Um, close to 5,000 people have watched. I think we, we struck yeah, a nerve yeah. and an accord with that. So that was great. And, and and we might also do, you know, depending on our availability, we might do some flash shows. Like, for instance, when f- free agency mm-hmm. comes about, we you know, we're typically going to be on Saturdays, but we well, might just pop in and do a show. When they make that big signing, trust me, I will be on here telling you about it. Yes, sir. Carson Wentz, baby. (laughs) (laughs) If it's Carson Wentz, I definitely will be here talking about it. (laughs) But with that, we're going to go ahead and conclude the program. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe.